coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on October 1st, 2023. Forgiveness in Action. Have you ever been uh, disappointed in the actions of others? Has anyone ever let you down? Someone ever hurt you? Someone ever betrayed you? Yeah, I think the truth is, if we were honest, all of us have walked that road. Disappointment, hurt, betrayal, whether intentional or not, is part of the human experience. It's true whether we're unbelievers or believers. It's just going to be a common experience that all of us get to go through. So this morning, I'd like to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness, what do you do when someone has disappointed you? What do you do when someone has hurt you? When someone has betrayed you? You know, we can't avoid hurt and pain. It's just going to come. Because whether somebody does it intentionally or unintentionally, it feels the same to us. Now, we might in our mind be able to say they probably really didn't mean that if we thought it was unintentional, but that didn't keep it from hurting nonetheless. You just can't avoid it. Maybe you overheard a comment and it really was taken out of context, but that's okay because you heard it and you applied it to you and now you're upset with what that person said. All sorts of things like that can happen. It may be that you're having a really tough time right now. And your tipping point is right there. And somebody says something that would otherwise be pretty innocuous, but that just pushes your button. And now you're upset with what that person says. If you could rationalize it, you probably would have said, oh, they, they didn't probably mean to say or do that. That would hurt me. But you're not being rational at that moment. You're responding with emotion. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. And remember, this is a town, a city that he had invested some time in. And they knew him. He had been there and, and taught them and instructed them and mentored them. And he knew them. 
And listen to what he says in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, to whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, you've got the Holy Spirit within you. Don't grieve him. Don't upset him. And he says, so how do you deal then with the hurts and pains and everything that come your way? Listen to what he says. Let all, all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away with you along with all malice. Now, if this was a bouquet of flowers, you would have a wide variety of flowers in this arrangement. He has basically picked all the words out of the Greek language that talk about how we respond to hurts in our life. He talks about those people who, when touched off, explode. And just, it's instant response. And that person's going to let you know exactly what you've done. But he also talks about those that slow simmer. Those that you've uh, maybe been stimulated by something and now you're just going to roll it around in your heart and your mind for a while. Maybe the other person doesn't even know how, how much they hurt you and what they did to you, but you know. And now you just roll that idea around in your heart and mind. And somewhere down the road you think, <laughs> maybe I'll figure out a way to get even with them. Because we want to respond with some sort of action. Maybe you're a kind of person that will just take it until you're out of earshot and then you let everybody else know what kind of person this was who said these despicable things and did these despicable actions and you make sure everybody knows and you're the personality assassin in your, in your particular community. Paul picks out all these words. He says, put, put them away. Don't let this be descriptive of you. And I want you to note something here. Because it's real easy to look at these terms and say, yeah, uh-huh, sure. But he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. This isn't how people out in the community respond when they get involved with hurts and pains. He's, he's writing how the church responds and individuals in the church, how they respond. And he says, let them be put away. So disappointment, hurt, betrayal, whether intentional or not, 
is part of the human experience. And it's true for believers as well as unbelievers. But we wanted to talk about forgiveness. So what happens when hurts come our way? How do we deal with those hurts? How do we deal with those slights? How do we deal with those betrayals? How do we deal with the anguish that comes because somebody said or did something to us? Well, Paul goes on in the next verse to say, if you're not going to respond in anger or malice or wrath or clamor or any of these other words that he used, he says you're supposed to respond a given way. To be kind to one another, verse 32. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And we come to a great principle when it comes to forgiveness. If we want to have a forgiving heart, a forgiving heart allows us a forgiven heart allows us to forgive others. Paul's argument here to the church at Ephesus is your normal response, your human response, or as, as Tom was reading for us in Luke, he says, that's the way the world would respond. He says, that ought not to be the way that you respond. How are you to respond? You can only respond with forgiveness if you have experienced forgiveness. And that's the argument that Paul builds upon. Now, I've shared this illustration before, but in dealing with forgiveness, I think it's important to, to uh, share this because not everybody has heard it. And if you've heard it, this is the time for you to take a short nap or whatever. And, and I'll wake you up at an appropriate time. But I always thought about if, if I'm all hot and bothered because somebody has said or done something to me, I am headed that way and I'm headed that way. I, I'm going 90 miles an hour with my emotions about how I should respond to this. And if the Holy Spirit said, not him, not him, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, they say, I'm going to run over the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll let him have it. I don't want to hear that right now. I want to get revenge. I want to express my anger. I want to express my wrath. My I like it to a car that is going whipping down the highway and the Holy Spirit says, now you want to go the other way. And he says, let me help you. You're going about 70. I'll just put it in reverse for you. Yes. <laughs> now, if we were driving a car and somebody put it in reverse from 
going 70 or 80 miles an hour, we're going to have serious problems here, aren't we? We're, we're going to see that transmission go, you're not supposed to do that. But I read these passages early on in my Christian life, and I thought, how can that be? Because I want to respond this way, and the Holy Spirit says, go that way. And for me to make the transition from that to this, how does that happen? Well, he explains it right here. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you. So a different, a little bit different scenario. Instead of the Holy Spirit saying, oh, you know, Tim, you need to go the other way. He doesn't do that. What he does is say, oh, I, I know you're all hot and bothered and you're going in this direction. Can I have your attention for just a moment? Then I'll let you get back to what you're doing. Well, okay, what do you got? says, I want you to think on a moment for something else. What he does is he takes me to the cross. And I see on the cross our Lord Jesus Christ. And he died for me. And I say, did he have any right to be angry with me? Oh, yeah. Could he have been justified in, in just wailing on me for my sin? Absolutely. But what did he do? He went to the cross and he died. Tim, for your sins. And about that time, you go, oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. And now all the emotion that I had focused on the hurt and the pain has been drained out as I realize what the Lord has done for me and how he has forgiven me. And then the Holy Spirit says, okay, you can get back to where you were. I can't go back there now. Not after, not after this. What should I do? And the scripture says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving. What does it mean to be kind? The word means to do something practical for somebody. To do something that's useful for someone. The passage that we looked up in, Jane, in, in Luke that 
Tom read for us. You know, he talks about what, how do you deal with your enemy? Is a, what's your inclination if someone hurts you? What, what if it was a neighbor? How would you respond to them? Well, that's easy, Pastor Tim. I go and TP their house tonight. That's what I'm going to do. No. You know, I understand that you make a pretty mean uh, pecan pie. Why don't you make one? Take it over to them. I think they like pecan pies too. Oh. Okay, I could do that. Tender-hearted. Isn't that the exact opposite response to when somebody hurts you? What do we do? We throw up the defenses. We raise the bridge. You know, they're not getting into this fortress anymore. They're not going to hurt me anymore. And the word tenderhearted means exactly that. That you, your heart becomes tender towards them. Well, who can do that? A forgiven person. A forgiven person. A forgiven heart allows us to forgive others. If we have been forgiven, if we have experienced forgiveness at the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can forgive others. The question that arises for us as believers is this. Can I trust my Savior with my hurts? Can I turn them over to him? Can I let him deal with them? Can I let them go? Having had our great debt forgiven puts us in a position to forgive others of their debt to us. Jesus gives an illustration in the Gospels about the unjust servant who is forgiven much and then won't forgive his fellow workers. And, and the Lord condemns that. He says, don't you realize you have the greater debt and it was forgiven? Can you trust me to take care of the debt that someone has against you? Because forgiveness, when we put it into action, it's really part of our walk of faith. It is one way that we say, Lord, I believe you, I trust you, and I trust you with me. <laughs> I trust that you can care for me. Now this hurt. Did it hurt? Oh yeah, it hurt. But do I have to get even? 
Do I have to let them know? Do I have to slander? No. I can forgive. You know, realized, maybe you're this far along in the message, you go, Pastor, you haven't even talked about what forgiveness is. So let's talk about that. Forgiveness is an intentional choice. An intentional choice we make to cancel another person's debt and entrust our situation to God. I was going to bring some quarters today, but then I figured none of us wants to do what would be the result of my illustration, so I didn't bring them. So I'm just going to imagine now for a moment. You do too. Put your hand out here and imagine I just walk by and I put a couple quarters in your hand, okay? So you got your hand out with your quarters in it, okay? I want you to turn your hand over. You can see why this illustration wouldn't work so well. Because now we have quarters running all over the place, right? Okay. What did you do? You let them go. That's what forgiveness is. You let it go. That, that debt that they owe you, their hurt, that pain that needs retribution, you let it go. You let it go. And no, you're not to scurry around and pick it up again. Okay? Because I know how some of you are thinking. And I knew that because that's how I was thinking, right? Forgiveness is the intentional choice we make to cancel another person's debt and entrust the situation to God. You know, I think... There's a corollary in here, and we talked about the idea of being a person who forgives because they have been forgiven. We, as believers, have been forgiven by the Lord, so now we're in a position where we can mimic that, we can duplicate that, we can demonstrate that to others. I'm going to give you a little corollary, though. I think one of the things that we need to do is allow our love for others to turn down our sensitivity level. What I mean by that is we're not always thinking that what a person says was meant to be hurtful, was meant to be painful. That we can scale that back. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keeping love one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, Peter isn't saying we ought to just sweep all sins under the rug. That isn't what he's talking about. He says, no, if we love one another, 
we're going to let some stuff go and not call everybody on the carpet for everything. We can say, what do I want? <laughs> well, Tom read for us exactly what we want. It says, we treat others like we want to be treated. We're not going to call everybody on the carpet because we don't want to be called on the carpet. It isn't a matter of letting sin go and let it run rampant. But we're going to let slights and minor hurts and things like that go because our sensitivity to all that stuff is less. Because when we are all cranked up and our sensitivity is all cranked up, then everybody around us is going to be walking on pins and needles, aren't they? Or dancing around and trying to avoid on stepping on eggs and breaking eggs. Something they might be said or might be done would cause some offense and some hurt. Listen to this passage by James. In 1 Peter 4, 8. I already read that one. Keep earnestly, love covers a multitude of sins. James 3, 7 through 8, 17 through 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Shouldn't that be a description of us? Man, let me read that again. The wisdom that is above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, forgiveness then is an intentional choice that we make to cancel another person's debt and trust the situation to God. It's so simple. Just not easy, is it? It's not easy. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. Not easy. It flies in the face of our great passions and feelings. Our sense of wanting to protect ourselves and our and our reputation and and uh, our position and whatever else. Nobody wants to be put down. Nobody wants to be hurt. Paul wrote to the church in Rome these words. Romans 12. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, 
Feed him. Do something practical. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Why? Because the world doesn't operate that way. But believers can. Why? Because they've experienced forgiveness. When God could have, could have taken us out, instead took us in. Could have taken us out, but he took us in. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now we had uh, Tom read that passage in Luke 6, and it's recorded here too, but I want to read you the last couple verses that I didn't have him read, and that's in Luke 6, 37 through 38. Judge not that you will not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So let me ask you a question. Do you like being forgiven? Have you ever offended anybody? You ever hurt anybody? It's a pretty terrible feeling when you know that you owe a debt to them because of what you said, what you did. What's it like when somebody would say, I forgive you. Do we like that? No? Yeah, we do. We like that a lot. He says, so what should you be doing? You want it in full measure? You love that forgiveness part? You better be a forgiver. One more principle. Because this is a question that always comes up when dealing with forgiveness. Does that mean that everything is okay? If I forgive somebody, does that mean everything is okay? To that I say forgiveness and reconciliation are not identical. They're not identical. Just because you forgave somebody doesn't mean that you're reconciled to them. Everything isn't peachy keen and nifty neato. Still have work to be done. So while forgiveness is a choice of releasing another from their debt, reconciliation is the further ministry of restoration of a relationship. In other words, there's more work to be done. And it's interesting that we as forgiven people by God have been given the job of the ministry of reconciliation, which means while forgiveness can happen right now, if I choose to forgive, I can forgive. I can let it go, turn the hand upside down, dump the quarters, let this whole hurt thing go. Do I remember what was said and what was done? 
Yeah, I just don't hold them accountable anymore. On the front of your bulletin is a little phrase, as far as the east is from the west, that's how God does with our sin. He, he puts it out of, out of the, the place where it's, it can be gotten to. When we forgive somebody, we don't go scrounging around looking for those fallen quarters so we can pull them up and, and let somebody have it. Let it go, and it's gone. But that hurt is still there sometimes, isn't it? What do we do with that? Then we begin the process of reconciliation. Then we begin this ministry of building back trusts, building back uh, a relationship. Sometimes it's not possible. That's why we're commanded to forgive, but the idea of just restoring a relationship isn't something we can command. Why? Because it requires another. And so we may seek restoration, we may seek reconciliation, but in some relationships we may never get it because a person doesn't want to go there. It doesn't mean we can't forgive them. And if we're to be as wise as God wants us to be, we realize we don't want to keep putting ourselves back in a place where somebody can keep hurting us because they have not changed. Forgiveness. I want to bring that message this morning because that is the heartbeat of the Lord's Supper. When we talk about these elements and we share this and we sit around the Lord's table and we talk about the broken bread and the fruit of the vine, what we're talking about is what Jesus Christ went through when he could have held us accountable for all of our sins, but instead he paid the penalty for all of our sins. His blood was shed. His body was broken on our behalf. Forgiveness is at the very heartbeat of this time around the table when we realize what God has done on our behalf. So we're going to give you a few moments. I'm going to move down here to the table. And we're going to give you a moment quietly, privately before the Lord. And then we will share the elements together. We want to give you these moments to quietly, privately go before the Lord, offer up thanksgiving, and prepare your hearts to share in this memorial service.
Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we can pause and reflect. We get so busy in our lives going from one thing to the next that when we come and we come especially to this table we are brought to the very core of our faith that we were sinners needed and deserved to die for our sins and without the love of the Heavenly Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, without their love, without your love for us, we would still be deserving of judgment. But because of your love and the effective work of Christ on the cross, where his body was broken and his blood was spilled out, the penalty for our sin was paid. And Heavenly Father, we have then the innocent dying for the guilty. How great is your love. How great then the offering of forgiveness for all who believe and take advantage of the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. As we come to celebrate and commemorate this time in history when God died on the cross for us. We're so thankful that uh, he rose victorious over death and became its conqueror. And so we have hope and life in him. We thank you that the re requirements for salvation was faith alone. That we would believe the gift that you have given. It can bring about a radical transformation in our hearts and lives but the requirement was something that we could do. Don't have to be rich. Don't have to be powerful. Don't have to be influential. Don't have to be knowledgeable. We just have to be humbled and take advantage by faith of this gift. So we thank you for the opportunity to share these moments together and to reflect on so great a salvation. We give thanks in the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask the men to come forward and we'll prepare to share these elements. What we have before us is some broken unleavened bread and some grape juice, and that's what they stay. But they speak to us of Jesus Christ's body.
and his shed blood. And so we're going to share these elements. Men are going to come around, pass them out, take them, hold them, and we'll give you a signal. We'll partake together. You're welcome to participate, whether you're part of our congregation or not. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the Lord's table, not the Baptist church's table. And so, Mike, I'm going to ask you if you lead us in prayer first for this first element, the broken unleavened bread. Father God, we thank you. We praise you for this a day yet. We can come to you again and, and give glory to you and praise you and thank you, Father, for your, for your son that put his body upon the cross to be beaten in the bloodshed for our freedom, for our, our new life in him. Father, we thank you for this great sacrifice that you've made on our behalf. And let us thank you with our lives, dedicating them to showing your love and emulating it out to the world around us, the people around us, showing the love of Christ so that you may be glorified and that we could be used to help draw people closer to you and be saved. We give glory and honor unto you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we've often said before, uh, we sit to partake at the Lord's table, not out of disrespect, but because the work was finished. We rejoice in so great a salvation. Let's take this first element, which is the bread. It talks about his body broken for us. Let's take and eat it together. The second element is that of the fruit of the vine, grape juice. 
representing Jesus Christ's body's blood. And we then could ask Tom to lead us in prayer. Our precious and holy Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to remember what you've done for us on the cross and that you have made the ultimate sacrifice in the shedding of your blood that we would have forgiveness. You forgave us, even though we were your enemy at the time. We just give you the glory and the praise, and we thank you for all that you do in our lives, and we give you the glory in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. come to the second element some grape juice but representing Jesus Christ's blood shed for us without the shedding of blood there's no remission or forgiveness of sin but because his blood was shed we have forgiveness by grace through faith. Let's drink to that new covenant in its blood. I'm going to ask the men to come back through and, and collect the cups, if you will. <clears throat> 